AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. For more than 90 years, CBS, a frontrunner in the broadcast arena, has been keeping its eye on the world of changing media. But somewhere along the line, they lost sight of what emerging markets wanted to watch, missing the news that they needed to appeal to younger viewers. So in the mid-1990s, they hired someone who seemingly could guess programming trends before they even happened to revitalize the station. And that someone would send CBS, at least for a good while, over the brink and bang zoom to the moon. This is CBS on the brink. I, I always wanted to say that, Ariel. That's nice. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ariel. And in case you didn't get the bang zoom, that's from The Honeymooners. Yes. Which premiered on CBS. Yeah. And uh, along with other prestigious television shows like Big Bang Theory and (laughs) And Murphy Brown and Murphy Brown. We're going to talk about TVs and stuff. But before we jump into that, we're in a different age than we Mm -hmm. were. When I was growing up, there were only the three broadcast stations and there were some local channels. Yes. You used your little bunny ears to watch them. Yeah. uh, And also my antenna sometimes. But (laughs) I would try and Tune into that kind of stuff. I did get cable. Like, cable existed when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. It's just my family didn't have it until maybe I was seven or eight. We got cable. That opened up a bunch of more channels. But you still had the three big broadcast stations. Yeah. It wouldn't be for many years after word that we would say that there are four yeah. broadcast stations, right? Yeah. But today's very different than when I was growing up. So, keeping in mind that today's a very different landscape. I'm curious, how do you watch television or do you watch TV? Well, I do enjoy television. I am a self-proclaimed giant geek. Yeah. And so I like watching all of the geeky things that come out. Sure. And the non-geeky things. 
I watched antenna type television growing up and uh-huh. occasionally cable. I have cable now, actually, because I like watching the shows when they come out mm-hmm. without spoilers. And sometimes there are channels that I just can't get on Hulu or Netflix or shows that I can't watch in arrears. So I do have cable. I also like watching the occasional football or hockey game, and that's easier on cable. I have. But I also have Netflix and Amazon. Yeah. And probably the Disney streaming service when, <laughs> when it, comes it comes out. out. Yeah. I have cable. I can't tell you the last time I watched it. I honestly don't remember the last time I turned on cable TV. I have it because it's bundled. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to watch things online. And honestly, these days, I don't watch that much television programming at all. I'm watching a lot of like independent mm-hmm. YouTube type video stuff, um, like highly produced YouTube stuff. It's not like I'm watching some guy throw darts at balloons for oh, yeah. 35 minutes. Or but I'll watch Twitch for a while. Yeah, I'll, I do watch some Twitch programming as well. So it's a very different world, but uh, CBS obviously is steeped in the traditional forms of media, although they've obviously also expanded beyond that. So we're going to give a quick overview of CBS's origins because I find them fascinating. I do too. I do too. Let's let's set our minds back, all right? Just before, I'm going to go through this as fast as I can, sure. but I, I'm also really, I geek out about this. Before World War I, uh, you had radio just starting to get started in the United States. Like you started to have radio broadcast stations just barely begin just before World War One. Mm-hmm. World War One starts to break out and the United States government kind of flips its lid because a lot of the companies that were running those radio broadcast stations, which were mostly for the use of sending telegrams wirelessly, a lot of them were owned by overseas companies, companies in Europe. Interesting. And the government is saying, huh, don't really want this foreign-owned company to have such an important role in our communications infrastructure. So what we're going to do is seize all the companies. And they did. World War I ends, and they said, well, now we've got all these radio broadcast towers that we can't use anymore. We need to get rid of them. <laughs> so the government turns to a group of companies, including General Electric being the largest of them, to create a new corporation, the Radio Corporation of America, better known as RCA. RCA's job is to oversee all these radio stations, which gradually evolve into broadcast radio as we would think of it today. Mm-hmm. All right. So it becomes broadcast radio and RCA, as part of this, decides to create its own subsidiary to oversee this, the National Broadcast Company or NBC. NBC. It's important to remember that NBC plays an integral role in the formation of CBS because along comes a talent agent. Mm -hmm. He's got a heck of an act to show you. I can't tell that joke on this podcast. So (laughs) this guy named Arthur Judson is pitching his clients to NBC and he's getting nowhere. So what do you do when you can't get your clients booked On the radio station. You cry in a corner? No, you make a new radio station. In fact, you make a new chain of radio stations. In fact, you get your own radio network. And that's what he did. He started to go out and try and form his own radio network. Uh, It started off as the United Independent Broadcasters. But not too long after he founded that in 1927, he agreed to a merger with Columbia Phonograph and Records Company 
and this would become CBS. This happened in 1928. It became known as the Columbia Phonograph Broadcasting Company, and the company struggled. It was it was up against a, a behemoth because mm-hmm. NBC had this bigger company, RCA, and behind that, General Electric, right? So NBC has this huge safety net behind it. CBS doesn't. It's independent. It's mm-hmm. struggling. So then this wealthy guy named William S. Paley comes in, um, and he says, you know what? Uh, I think I can do something with this this uh, broadcast company. And his father had been a very successful businessman. You could say it was something of a lifesaver. And he comes in and he buys this struggling company, calls it the Columbia Broadcasting System or CBS proper. So much better than CPBC. Yeah. And this was the formation of CBS. But at the time, we have to remember, CBS was a radio network. Television mm-hmm. comes later. And NBC was too. Exactly. And so then we get into another big change, a big difference between CBS and NBC. The guy who was overseeing NBC thought that advertising was gauche. He didn't like it. That was foolish of him. Yeah. He he actually, there were famous stories that he would refuse to meet with advertising executives. He would let uh, his, his direct reports handle that for him because he mm-hmm. hated it. Paley was the opposite. He was like, I'm going to wine and dine these guys so that they advertise on my shows. In fact, I'm going to convince them to sponsor entire shows and we will feature their products either in every advertising break or we'll incorporate them directly into the scripts. You know, wow, you sure do look nice wearing that <laughs> Dapper Dan hair, hair, hair pomade. Pomade, yeah. Which uh, that's you. Sh- you should write commercials, Jonathan. I, I, yeah, not not my strong suit. I admit it. I bet that made NBC pretty mad, though. Yeah, they got into a fierce rivalry, and that wouldn't be the only thing that CBS would do that would make NBC mad. But there also was an interesting side note to this which just very quickly is that CBS and NBC were the dominant players Mm -hmm. in radio. There was no one else to the point where another organization called the Mutual Broadcasting System filed a complaint with the FCC, the the Federal Communications Commission in the United States, and said, Mm -hmm. this is a duopoly. These two companies control everything. That's not acceptable. So FCC says, you know what? You're right. NBC, you guys split into two. Now, NBC already had two networks, both called NBC. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, all right, we'll sell off one of these and we'll keep the other one. And the one they sold off would eventually become the American Broadcast Company or ABC. So now you get all three of the big broadcast companies. And you could argue that all three, either directly or indirectly, came out of RCA. And, and I just get excited about this. No, thing. that's very exciting. It's very, very interesting. As you said, advertising isn't the only thing that caused a sore spot between NBC and CBS because CBS mm-hmm. in 1948 stole a bunch of talent away from NBC. Yeah, they did a whole headhunting thing. Paley yeah. led the charge and mm-hmm. they offered NBC stars a deal they couldn't refuse. They gave them such lucrative contracts that multiple NBC stars jumped ship. And this was right around the same time that the industry was starting to embrace television. Yeah. So they got icons like Jack Benny and George Burns to Mm -hmm. come over to CBS. Yep. Really good timing on their part. Yep. And uh, the rivalry between the two companies went beyond that. Again, I'm not going to dwell too much on there, but you had 
RCA and NBC backing certain types of media, whereas CBS and Columbia Records were backing other types of media. Mm -hmm. You had CBS put forward its standard for color television, and it got accepted as the FCC standard, while RCA was saying, not so fast, our version's better. And the FCC said, you know what, you're right, we're going to reverse our decision. So this was a battle going back and forth in those early days. But both companies were largely thriving off that competition. Mm-hmm. The Again, the interesting part being that CBS was doing this as an independent company. It wasn't, it wasn't under the umbrella of a larger corporation. Yeah. But, you know, they had trouble making their TVs it, around the time of the Korean War and just gave up on it and focused on television. Yeah, because their television, and I won't go into the details of this either, but it was an me- electromechanical color TV, meaning that there were actual moving parts inside your television to make the color work. Like little elves on treadmills? Well, like a color wheel, but yes, it was powered by elves on treadmills. Same thing. Well, in 1951, as a part of focusing more on television, they come up with their CBS Eye logo. I like that you said by focusing more on television. (laughs) I meant to do that. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we're not going to focus on the year by year because things go pretty well for television. We're just going to hit a few key points. Yeah, and and kind of highlight how the transition was happening. Yeah. Between the years of 1960 and 1962, CBS stopped offering radio serials and dramas. Yeah, they were they were just yeah moving away from the mm-hmm. uh, audio drama format, which Ariel and I both love. Yes. We have been involved with audio drama before, and we, we would love to— you know, Podcasting has allowed that to come back. But this was the era where people were saying— Let's move those stories over to television. Yes. Let's tell these stories in a different format. And in 1968, we got 60 minutes. We get 60 minutes every hour. Uh, the television show. Oh, right, right, right. The, the news show. Yeah, no, I knew that. You did? Yeah. By 1969, did you know that CBS had 22,000 employees and was making over $64 million? I, I did not did not know that part. And in the next decade, in the 1970s, uh, we started seeing CBS debut shows that would end up becoming iconic. Uh, All in the Family is often thought of mm-hmm. as one of the best sitcoms, you know, one of the best examples of the sitcom format ever. It broke barriers of what was acceptable and not acceptable on television. Yeah. That, that could be a whole article in and of itself. Oh, sure. Uh, MASH, another mm-hmm. phenomenal series, yeah. came out in the 1970s. This is obviously, this is also when I was growing up, so I have a lot of fond memories of this stuff. It's a little before my time, but I really enjoy MASH and All in the Family. The I Waltons, still watch it. The Waltons, which uh, were the focus of a gag I wrote for the video series that we used to do, Large Nerdron Collider. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about Battle Beyond the Stars. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Good memories. In 1974, the company becomes known as CBS Incorporated. Mm -hmm. And in 76, they start seeing a troubling thing on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Because that was right when the cable industry started taking off. Cable originally, by the way, was just meant to bring television signals to people who were having trouble picking them up. Because they were living in either remote areas, or they were living in dense cities where buildings were blocking television frequencies. So it wasn't originally meant to deliver 8 billion channels with nothing on them, but rather to just allow people to get those television feeds that they couldn't get over the air. Well, and this is part of what got CBS in trouble because they didn't view cable as a competitor. Yeah. And so they didn't prepare to compete with it. Right. In 83, CBS joins with Columbia Pictures and HBO, and they make TriStar Pictures. Mm Mm-hmm. But then CBS sells its shares to Sony two years later. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't stick with that particular Uh approach. And then we get 
a dramatic story. And Ariel, I want you to take this part because you researched this part and you wrote this. And I want to hear exactly what was going on here because this is the first part where we actually see internal conflict. Yes. Yes. So in 1986, Lawrence, known as Larry Tish, and his brother, Robert Bob Tish, step in and save CBS from a takeover. So TBS was trying to buy CBS. New York Times called it a takeover of corporate raiders and conservative politicians. Hmm. And this is interesting to me because of, you know, you look at TBS, that's one of those channels that became famous for flourishing in mm-hmm. the cable era. Like that cable is what gave TBS its incredible boost. And yeah. so like you were saying, where CBS hadn't really viewed cable as a competitor and now it's directly oh. threatening the company. And it, it had Turner behind Ted Turner behind it. So. Yeah. And we here in Atlanta have a lot of stories about Mr. Ted Turner. Yes. So Larry and Bob use a company they own, Lowe's, to buy a minority stake in CBS. Mm -hmm. They purchased 21% of the outstanding stock of CBS for $995 million. So just shy of a billion. Mm -hmm. And this stops TBS from being able to take over. Yeah. And also, Larry is invited to join the board of directors on CBS and then would later end up being named its chief executive officer. Yes. Sadly, during his time as CEO, he sold off the record division of CBS and the publishing side and had to institute a bunch of cutbacks and cost-saving measures. Now, the records and the publishing side were still the core business of CBS at that time. So they were focusing on TV, but they still... Yeah, the revenue generators were the were parts mm-hmm. of the business that they divested themselves of. And it was also that you could remove those concerns while concentrating on the television. But a lot of people questioned that move. If they said, they said, if those parts of the business were the parts that were making money, why were those the parts that you sold off? Yeah, yeah. It kind of gave him a bad rap. Mm-hmm. It did, however, allow CBS to focus mainly on television programming. Yeah, but that was not something that would immediately help the company. No, in fact, CBS started seeing losses because of these changes. We'll talk about how they address those losses in just a moment, but first, let's take a quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. 
Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, Ariel, let's set the scene. It's 91. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got cable that's still very much an issue. It's a growing issue. Yeah, it's grown from around seven channels to 33. Yep, and now you're looking at a point where the cable channels are starting to become a credible threat to the long-established broadcast companies. Yeah, by 1990, cable channels were making revenues just a billion dollars under the big three. Yeah. So if you look at the big three and then you look at the cable channels, now granted, you're looking collectively and collectively, mm-hmm. but still, you're starting to say you know, these these broadcast companies that for the longest time were thought of as unassailable. Like they had been around for so long. It was kind of like that too-big-to-fail mentality. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly the writing appears to be different on the wall. It doesn't sound like it's too big to fail. Now it sounds like you better pay attention to this. Well, part of what allowed cable channels to net almost as much money as the big three is the fact that on top of getting ad money. That the broadcasting companies also were doing. Yes, they were getting subscription money. Yeah, which the broadcast companies weren't, weren't doing. getting. At, yeah. least, at least not for another year. Yeah. But 92, CBS at least had one crowning achievement it could point to that was not insignificant. They were the number one broadcast company in the United States. Mm -hmm. They were the first network to rise to first place in just one season. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Like being able to go uh, and and claim that spot and not have it be like a super long trend to get there. Yeah. So then in 92, the Cable Act passed. This was a big deal. It was, because it allowed local networks to charge carriers like Comcast or AT&T, AT&T or Spectrum a retransmission fee to air their broadcasts. So this allowed local news to reach cable subscribers and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. But the big three saw this 
and started also requesting retransmission fees and fees from those local networks that were subsidiaries and and syndicating the big three programming. Mm-hmm. This ended up creating a real conflict in the television industry. Mm-hmm. And it was a, an expensive one. It actually would go all the way through the 90s and into the 2000s and up to 2013, really, for the next part of this particular story. We're going to get back into the 90s in a second. But it was in 2013 when CBS and Showtime stopped airing to specific key markets that Time Warner Cable was servicing because they were having this fundamental disagreement of what the retransmission fees should be. Mm -hmm. CBS wanted their retransmission fees bumped up, Mm -hmm. make more money, and Time Warner is saying— I can't, we can't, if we do that for you, we have to do it for everybody when and, their contracts are up. And if we do it for everybody, then in order for us to make a profit, we have to increase the cost to the subscriber. And the subscriber the will stop subscribing. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of cord cutters. And keep in mind that by 2013, you're starting to see the early trends of cord cutting mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Uh, at that time, retransmission fees were already about $3 billion. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty big number to start with, and then to raise that is a lot. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, you can say that this might have been in anticipation for that cord-cutting trend, Mm -hmm. the idea that the internet was now the new threat. Uh, Where cable had been the threat in the 70s and 80s, now it was the internet and streaming services. Yeah, well, back to 93. Yeah, let's jump back to there. Uh, CBS gets a big blow. They lose the NFL. Uh, I guess they were no longer ready for some football. Mm. Fox took it over. Mm -hmm. At at this time, Fox became the fourth network, so it was the big four. Yeah, which I remember how weird that was to me when it was happening because throughout my childhood, there were only three networks. Mm -hmm. And then you have Fox that officially becomes a network. And, And in large part, it was when the NFL came over to Fox. There were certain things that really helped establish Fox the Simpsons being one of them. Mm-hmm. But NFL certainly went a long way. Well, the NFL, I think, is part of what was keeping CBS's younger viewership mm. watching that channel. Because outside of that, they had programs like 60 Minutes and Murphy Brown and Murder, She Wrote and Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Mind you, I love all those shows. Yes, but you're secretly 50 years old. I'm secretly 50 years old. (laughs) This was when CBS was starting to gain that reputation that this is the network that old people watch. Mm -hmm. Like that that was just generally what people felt. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is advertisers' key advertising range is 20s to 50s. Yeah. So you get over 50 and advertisers just aren't targeting them as much. Right, yeah, you're... Typically, like, the sweet spot is, like, 18 to 34. That's mm-hmm. where you really are concentrating your advertising money, typically. So when you start thinking that a, a channel's demographics or a network's demographics are beyond that, you're far less likely to spend advertising money. So this was a, a, a perception problem that CBS really needed to address. It's very similar to another story that we covered not too long ago on The Brink. Yeah, Old Spice. Yeah, you don't want to be the... You don't want to be the cologne that your or the the smell that your grandfather smells like, and you don't want to be the channel that your grandfather watches. I guess. I mean, unless you're me, Ariel, secret fifty year old. Yeah. Uh, not that fifty is old by any means no, in my mind. But this was this was the perception. Yes. And we're not judging. I'm I'm closer to fifty than I am to thirty. So. Uh, now all of this, the the drop in viewership from the NFL 
the lack of younger viewers meant that CBS needed to provide advertising spots to advertisers at less cost. Yeah, they couldn't afford or they couldn't command higher prices. Mm -hmm. So they had to start cutting how much they could ask for these advertising deals, which, of course, hurts the bottom line. So what did they do? Well, first they had a couple of shows, Mm -hmm. The Nanny and Chicago Hope. Yeah. Which I enjoyed. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So they're still catering to the secret 50-year-old. Hey, I'd say Nanny is a solid 42. All right. Well, 94, the story continues to go poorly for CBS Mm -hmm. because they actually fall to last place among the three major networks. Yeah. Yeah. Despite Fox being the fourth, it's still... Kind of not counting. Yeah. They're, they were, yeah, Fox kind of had this nebulous sort of descriptor as being a broadcast network. But keep in mind, 92 was when CBS had been on top. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking to 94, and now they're in last place. Yeah. And and at this time, Fox was starting to buy affiliates. So mm-hmm. they're, they're ramping bulking up. up. Yeah. CBS did make a profit that year, despite being last place in the big three. $281.6 million. Mm-hmm. But that that profit was not growth. That was actually, they weren't profiting by as much as they had the previous year, right? Because mm-hmm. the year before they had made more than $300 million. Yeah, well, by 95, they were down another 20%. Ugh. So by 95, they only had one primetime night that was top in the seven nights, and, and that, that would was be? Saturday. Mm, when old people are staying home and everyone else knows it's all right for fighting. Yes. Because of CBS's drop, however, Westinghouse Electric Corporation put out a bid to buy CBS in August of 95, and CBS said sure. Yeah, this was a, a huge, huge shift because now mm-hmm. you finally have this true independent or more or less true independent company that's becoming— uh, folded under another company. Yes. So CBS for so long had been standing on its own and now agrees to this acquisition. And it was for the princely sum of $5.4 billion. Which is pretty good. It's even better considering that's about $81 per cash share mm-hmm. of stock, which the previous year stocks had gone as low as $50 a share. So it was... So at least for shareholders, it didn't look awful. Yeah. Right? Because it looks like they're they're selling at a price that they might not otherwise see if CBS were to stand on its own. And it was an exceptionally big deal because CBS was, in theory, the last independent TV network by that time. Yep. So uh, Westinghouse goes through with this, and uh, the company itself already had a strong reputation. It was a broadcast pioneer. But While they had been in broadcast in the early days, in fact, Westinghouse was one of the entities that was important in the formation of the networks. Mm -hmm. At this point, that really wasn't their business anymore. They had moved away from that. They had gone into manufacturing, really. So broadcast was a tiny part of their empire. However, even though it was a tiny part of their empire, it was still important because it was the most profitable part of their empire. Fun fact— about this Westinghouse buyout Mm -hmm. is that the announcement came one day after Disney announced its merger with ABC. So that's how it was able to be the last independent. Yes, yes. By a day. It was interesting because you have Tish there saying that this was was a win. Mm -hmm. You you can mark this as a win. 
because the investors who had put their money into the company saw a return on that investment. But CBS was not immediately like repaired, uh, like the damage that had been done, the the losing its way. It wasn't like mm-hmm. immediately put on the right course. No, although Westinghouse seemed to be really committed to pushing CBS as a network because they started selling off all of their manufacturing and production side of their business mm-hmm. to focus on the television. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the story we just said about CBS when uh, when they made the move to sell off the production and music sides. But mm-hmm. in this case, the television side was the most profitable part yeah. of Westinghouse. So that is the fundamental difference there. So in 95, CBS is looking to improve their programming. So who do they turn to? They turn to a gentleman named Leslie Moonves. Yeah. This would be someone who becomes incredibly important in CBS. It's also a very problematic person to talk about, and we'll get Mm -hmm. into why. But chances are, if you've heard the name, you understand where we're going already. However, let's talk about what Moonves was doing upon uh, joining CBS. Well, he's working at the WB, and he had also helped recently develop ER and Friends for NBC, Mm -hmm. which were huge. Friends is still huge, I will say. Yeah, it's It's enjoying a renaissance for reasons I haven't yet been able to understand. Uh, Now, Moonves had originally started as an actor in the 1970s. Yeah, that didn't work out. So instead, he moves behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And he worked for... uh, As a producer on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which... uh, Can I tell them? Sure. Go ahead. So when when Ariel wrote that down, she had written the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which... It was a typo. It made me laugh so hard because it made me think that it was a comedy hour that has one joke. It's the same joke every week, and you know exactly what it is from the title. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Moonves was tasked to create the new CBS Mm -hmm. because he was so successful at creating new TV for a new era. But at first, he tried to do it too quickly. Yeah. The company already had a lot of momentum built up in a certain direction and was— already being viewed as a, as a company that was catering to an older audience. Mm-hmm. So switching that up to a younger one super fast ended up being counterproductive initially. So they were developing about 20 hours of new programming to plug into their lineup for mm-hmm. the year. And even if they were only putting in 10 to 12 hours of that programming, history showed that maybe two or three hours of that would be really successful. Mm-hmm. And the rest would be shows that would do okay and need to be changed out in the future. So if they're changing that big a chunk of their lineup Mm -hmm. and it has a low success rate, it's not, in my opinion, a very smart idea. Yeah. So it was still questionable about what Moonves' impact was going to be on Mm -hmm. the channel. But as we will see in our next section, it ended up being just what they needed. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done when you have health insurance it's easy to think i'm covered no worries well not so fast remember your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance that can be a lot of money for your family but how do you know you're not being overbilled It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have health lock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date health lock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com All right. So after that initial push, what happens next? Well, Moonves decides to take a tried and true show and bring it to CBS, a show that had originally been on NBC, mm-hmm. The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. And they started to kind of experiment a bit. They did something that had not been done previously. They actually showed a preview of their new lineup of TV shows. Yeah, they were hoping that the sneak peek would get younger audiences invested earlier. Mm -hmm. While showing their program early was a good idea because Moonves did have his finger on the pulse of what viewers wanted to watch, look at friends and things like that. It had mixed success. I I, want to mention here that Moonves was very stereotypical in what he liked. Mm -hmm. So he was good at developing shows and knowing what shows would take off even before the trend really took off in television. So he Mm -hmm. might say shows about geeks are really popular, like with The Big Bang Theory. It wouldn't necessarily be popular at the time he was trying to integrate it. Mm -hmm. But he really liked things like alpha males and smart, pretty women and very stereotypical roles. And he also wanted to keep CBS programming. He wanted to keep it from being too dark, Mm. like you get with Showtime or HBO. So he started uh, introducing other new shows like uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm -hmm. Uh, I take issue with that title. You don't love Raymond? Nah, I don't hate Raymond. I'm indifferent toward Raymond. 
And by 97, they had pulled back from introducing too many new shows. Mm -hmm. So about two-thirds of their lineup was returning, and about one-third was new. Mm -hmm. And Westinghouse would officially change its name to the CBS Corporation. And then in 98, an old friend came back to the network. Yes, football. Yes, uh, the American football, not, not soccer. Not soccer. Now, in 1999, Viacom, which started as a television syndicate of CBS in the 50s, then split from CBS, Mm -hmm. got bought a bunch of times and made a bunch of acquisitions, acquired CBS, and then in 2000, the deal became final. Mm. They acquired CBS for $45 billion. So we see this continue, uh, this trend continue where he starts to work on programming to, again, grab those younger audiences Mm -hmm. to turn around this, this perception of CBS. And so you started getting shows like CSI coming out. And then really one of the key television shows of the reality television era, Survivor, Mm -hmm. comes out in 2000. By 2019, Survivor has hit 38 seasons. That's That's insane. That's impressive. And then he gets some more popular shows that, you know, I haven't really watched, like Two and a Half Men. Not, Not a fan of it myself, but it was extremely popular. Yes. And then in 2004, Moonves marries... Early show host, Julie Chen, Mm -hmm. and he becomes president and co-chief operating officer of Viacom. Mm -hmm. But Viacom and CBS wouldn't remain a united entity, right? Because in 2005, they would split into two publicly traded companies. So kind of a reversal of the 99 merger. Yeah, but both were still owned by Sumner Redstone. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then he was named president and CEO of CBS after that split. Mm -hmm. Because, obviously, he was no longer COO of Viacom. Right. So, this is the point where we start seeing analysts say that his direction had really turned things around for CBS. Yeah, and that's even before Big Bang Theory came out. Yeah, it was a year before Big Bang Theory would debut. And then, around that same time, they launched the CW. And took over Showtime. Yep. And... uh, This was all because of that split between CBS and Viacom. That that wouldn't have been possible without that. Those those shows were a part of Viacom and CBS Mm -hmm. took them. Yeah. So 2008, it's the number one network by viewership, but not across all programming. Mm -hmm. News viewership was down, uh, partly because broadcaster wasn't the only game in town anymore. Now you've got all these different cable news stations as well. And those cable news stations are 24-hour news. Yeah. Now, in 2008, I want to do a quick little side note just because it personally impacts me. That's when CBS purchased the web company CNET for $1.8 billion, and I had a lot of friends who worked over there. Some of them still do. Hi, friends. I guess that was to compete with all of the 24-hour news networks. Yeah, well, it's also... I've often seen traditional media companies purchase established online Mm -hmm. companies because it's a business that the traditional media doesn't have a lot of expertise in. And so rather than try to build up natively, which could take a really long time as you get your head wrapped around it, a lot of these traditional media companies will go out and buy an existing company. And that way kind of, it's like trying to get a jump start on that business. So CBS had their finger on the pulse of sitcoms, of reality shows, drama, of drama, and they were successful at it for a while. And then in 2014, they introduced CBS All Access to compete with streaming networks. And this to me is rough because I pay for CBS 
on my cable subscription, but I cannot watch Star Trek Discovery without buying the all access. Yeah. And it's frustrating. I, I love CBS programming, but it's another streaming service I got to buy. I I hear we should just watch the Orville. I do enjoy the Orville <laughs> quite <laughs> a bit, not, actually. Not a CBS program. No, that's Fox. Yeah. Um, in 2014, they also start selling reruns of their shows to their streaming services, and they're getting revenue from local networks and cable playing reruns. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure NBC is banking a lot off of Friends still being on Netflix. Sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that a program that was made decades ago can still be, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been on the air for a long time, can still be making money for uh, for a network like that. All right. Well, one thing that's happened recently, uh, this fairly recently within the last year, was that NBC was able to catch up to CBS as uh, and actually overtake it as the most watched network which first it was the first time it had happened since 2002 so this was in in February 2018 like mm-hmm. that's a long run but without taking that top spot which is also kind of amazing when you sit there and think about some of the programming that was on NBC in those in those years too but yeah it was the first time since 2002 that NBC had taken the top spot however it wasn't like a permanent displacement mm-hmm. right yeah, but as of May of 2018, CBS hit its 10th season in a row of being America's most watched television network, the 15th time in 16 years, because it goes by seasons. Yeah. So it's not a whole year of being top, it's a season. So there's some things that we want to wrap up with. Uh, one is that we haven't really mentioned it, but th- there's obviously been uh, a lot of talk about allegations of sexual misconduct, specifically mm-hmm. directed to uh, Moonves, that have been very disturbing and they came from six different women. So it's Mm -hmm. not like it's a single person who's made this accusation. You know, we've obviously seen a lot, a rise in those reports as women are becoming more uh, empowered and they Mm -hmm. feel that they have the place to be able to speak up about it. Whereas in years past, this sort of stuff would happen and often would just get swept under the rug. But that is turning around That's still something that is playing out to this day. Yeah, in September of 2018, Mouvez resigned. Mm -hmm. And Julie Chen also stepped down from her roles at CBS. And Joe Ianello came out as the acting CEO for CBS at that time. But then in December, CBS, after an investigation it launched into these allegations, decided to deny Mouvez a severance package. A hefty one, $120 million mm-hmm. severance package. Saying that he wouldn't cooperate fully with the investigation. Mouvez is fighting back because these allegations are still obviously being investigated. Yeah, but still, it's not a good story to tell. And we're back at an old story again about CBS and Viacom. Yeah, there are talks about them Remerging. I guess. I guess they just can't quit each other. <laughs> uh, yeah. So interesting story. It's a. Uh, whenever we talk about these big media companies, and this, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than a broadcast network. Mm-hmm. The story is always so complicated. Uh, it's kind of like some of our other really big company stories, in that you have all these major corporate players. You've got lots of maneuvering. You've got lots of talks of acquisitions that may or may not happen. A lot of them are such big deals that 
there's questions about whether the FCC would even yeah, allow the, it to happen. The government steps in and says, nope, you can't. Yeah. So this one was a, another complicated story. And again, it's it's one that's not over. You know, we've seen the person who was, who was pointed at as the savior of CBS now mm-hmm. resigned and under investigation. So there's a big question mark there. Yeah. And the other question mark is, can the the new leadership, the relatively new leadership, can they pick up the baton and run with it and keep CBS forefront among the broadcast companies. I guess we'll have to keep our eyes peeled. I guess we need to tune in the TV. Yeah. Well, until then, we are going to wrap this one up. Uh, Let's say that people have questions or maybe a suggestion for a future topic. Where might they reach us? Well, they can reach us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Yes, or you can go to www.thebrinkpodcast.show. There you're going to find the archive of all of our episodes and also information about little old me. And little old me. Uh, Yeah, she's in there too. Until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Kasten. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.